so we're at the top, we're at the top of the bubble of the baby boomer generation retiring. So there is a there is somebody retiring, turning 65 and retiring every nine seconds right now, which, you know, that's not all that surprising. I didn't know it was every nine seconds, however you want to make it play out. But what the statistic, the statistic that I thought was very interesting was that in 1960, there were six people working for every one person that was a retiree. And today, there are three workers for every person that is retiring. So it's half. And when we get through this bubble of of baby boomers retiring, it will be almost two workers for every one retiree. So if any of you out there think, if you're my age, I'm 50, if you think you're going to have Social Security, you got another thing coming because it, it's done. It's going to be so done. And I, I, you know, they can say whatever they want, but it's that money you paid in, thanks a lot for that because you ain't going to see that. You better, you better go buy some Tesla stock before the 21, 20 to 1 split because you're going to need that money in retirement. All of the food we eat and much of the clothing we wear comes from plants and animals that are raised on farms. Farms are different in type, in size, and even in name. Welcome to Barn Talk, water cooler edition. Holy shit, we're back in the barn. Can you believe it? Look around, folks. This is the new the new image for a while. We're going to hope to stay in the barn and never leave again. We're hoping we can get some insulation up here so that come winter we can stay warm up here. And we're well, as we're in our Carhartt jackets right now. It's a little it's a little chilly in here, but yeah. we just had to make the move and just we did it, moved everything what last week up here. It feels good. These are our stomping grounds. It just feels yeah. the energy's better in here, looks better. This is barn talk, and we are shooting in an actual barn, folks. We would have started with garage talk. It would have been different. I don't think it would have took off as much as it has. No. Thanks to all you guys for sharing the show and everything. So we don't gossip around here much. Um, we don't We don't talk. Everything we say about our neighbors is true, I promise you. <laughs> uh, we haven't done a solo episode in a long time. We had three really great guests on the last three weeks. So today we're going to give you our side of things and we're just going to talk what's happening in the world and give us, give you guys our perspective on it. So before we get started though, pay the fee. We don't run ads on the show. We don't run ads to promote the show. It's all word of mouth and that's the way we like to do it. So share the show. If you got any value, if we made you laugh, if you learned something, if you related on to us on something, just share the show. We really appreciate it. Um, also leave a review on Apple and Spotify. That helps us out too. I've seen a lot of people are starting to do that. I'm, I, we read every single review if you do it on Apple. So we appreciate that because in Spotify, for some reason, they don't let you put worded reviews. They just let you just rate it, which is kind of dumb in my opinion, but we appreciate it no matter where you listen. So um, also go buy some merch. We got Barn Talk merch available. I don't think anyone's bought some merch in a, in a <laughs> while, but if you want to buy some Barn Talk merch, head over to our website, which will be in the show notes if you're listening it'll be in the link in the description on youtube if you're watching that being said dad we're gonna do a freaking market update we haven't done one of those in a while so take it away we have not done a market update and it's uh everything just keeps moving higher a couple a couple side notes i guess while i'm thinking about it um we don't we don't do ads and we don't really promote this outside of people sharing it but a couple people that 
um, I do want to give a shout out to is uh, Jim Eady from SwineWeb because they feature our our uh, a lot of our stuff on their website. And SwineWeb is a good place if you're in the hog business to get find out what's going on. Um, so thanks to those guys. And then also Barn Tools. Barn Tools is our sponsor of our um, our YouTube channel, the This'll Do Farm, and great guys great product and uh they're a big part big reason as to why um, we can do this side of things and so um check those guys out anyway um the market update i have no tesla update today i'm not going to go down a rabbit hole they they had earnings yesterday and it was real good but we can talk about that some other time um oil the last time i did a market update i think oil was 120 dollars, and that was the knee-jerk reaction of when the whole ukraine war started and it's kind of settled down i think it's about 103 is the last time i checked um so that's not <clears throat> by crazy standards it's it's a lot worse than 70 but it's a lot better than 130 or 40 or whatever um corn i don't know what it's doing today i think I think grains might be down a little bit, but uh, last night when I looked, you could get an $8 local corn bid, which is super if you got any corn left in the bin, and I do have some, and the only reason I do is because my circuit flow uh, is plugged up and I can't get it to transfer. You always got shit breaking. <laughs> um, but hey, that's a blessing because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it fixed this week and we're going to unload that bin. So um, yeah, $8 corn locally, I think it's, I honestly can't remember what it is on the board, but uh, soy means you can get a seventeen dollar um, bid local and seven forty at this side of the river, seven sixty on the Illinois side. Wheat's ten dollars. Hogs hundred and twelve dollars. Hogs, I don't think hogs are high enough. Um, the world over, there's going to be a huge shortfall in red meat. I think um, the Chinese are losing money like it's going out of style, and they've been losing money since last July. And the biggest hog producers over there that are publicly traded, they announce their earnings and you can't really trust much of the numbers that you get out of there because it's all edited for consumption but they're losing a lot of money on every pig they sell and so herds are getting cut over there um and so the world supply of pork is just headed down and eventually that's got to catch up and when it does i think you're going to see you're going to see summer summer uh hog prices um go pretty high um, Bitcoin, 42,000, a little over 42,000. It just kind of floats around. Having a hard time getting over the hump. I don't know. Um, I think it can't seem to decide what market to follow. We it's just bigger, keep, it's, it's fine in its way. It's fine in its way. It's new, so it's hard to predict what's yeah. going to happen. The gold bugs are coming out. Uh, a lot of people talking about gold and precious metals because inflation, when when inflation rumors are not rumors, it's pretty pretty factual that everything's going up but whenever you get talks about inflation and the value of the dollar you know people start talking about gold and silver and gold was 1950 the last time i looked at it and i don't know i haven't watched it in a while i'm assuming that it, i'm assuming it's trended up some but um silver's 25 bucks an ounce um i think and we're going to get into this but right now a lot of commodity prices are reacting to the world political uh, situation and they're running on totally on speculation and not on the hard supply Um, and you know you can say that about 
You can say that about oil. You can say that about grains. I just think that time is going to be what's going to be really interesting as we get further down this road and we see where the Russian-Ukraine war goes and um, markets worldwide. When it actually gets down to where we're trading on supply and not on speculation, that's when things may get really out of whack. But um, everything's up. And except for the power of your dollar that you have, your dollar is getting it's getting worse. It's I getting mean, worse I every day. I, I remember we were talking about this almost a year ago, talking about inflation, how it's bad. But I mean, geez, it's bad now. It's just getting worse. So you just stock up on food and put put your money to work for you because put it in real assets because it's just not doing you any good. <laughs> yeah, my in your savings. I mean, have we always say have an emergency fund, but. Try to get that thing down as low as you can. I mean, because you don't want it in cash. Just no, you do not. Just don't want it in cash. No, your cash helping you. Your cash is getting devalued pretty fast. Um, I was watching Michael Saylor yesterday when I was waiting for the Tesla call to to come, and um, he he's kind of a savage when he starts talking about you know he gets fielded the same question all the time. He owns a company called MicroStrategies and. About a year ago, year and a half ago, probably is when he started. I don't know. He probably started longer right than that before COVID. Yeah, right as COVID hit, something like that. He basically his company produces a lot of cash. Um, it's it's an older tech company and software company, and so they generate a lot of income, and they don't have a lot of expense. The expense they have is pretty well paid for. So, um, you know, what do you do with this cash? And and he went down a deep rabbit hole on Bitcoin and. And he made the decision for that company that all of their profit, they just plowed into Bitcoin. And his reasoning for that is because the currency is getting devalued um, so fast that if you, if you can't make, in, in his world, his, his reason on this is that if you're not making 25% on your money at the corporate level, you're going backwards because of the cost um, the devaluing of the currency and the money printing is basically what, because he believes that the the price of stocks is artificial because the reason they're as high as they are is because all the money that's been printed just keeps pumping into it, the it investments the stock and inflates the stock market. And he has a lot of, he has a lot of analogies that, you know, he can show you why it's that way. And, you know, you can believe him or don't believe him, but he has plowed a pile of money into Bitcoin. Yeah, I think he's bought the most out of any single company I there is. I think I mean, he, so. I think they're the biggest. If they don't need it to operate, he throws it in Bitcoin. Yeah. And hasn't he made more money doing that than his company overall? So his so the there's a lot of companies that have wanted to come out with a Bitcoin ETF to trade on the stock market and they haven't been allowed to do it. <laughs> and micro strategies, their stock price a lot of people just basically are buying that company. They're trading that company as a Bitcoin ETF because they have so much money in Bitcoin compared to what their core business is that it pretty much trades like with a, yeah. with Bitcoin. So yeah. you're you're it is it's it's a default uh, Bitcoin ETF. So yeah, I I recommend it to anybody to go check them out. Yeah, uh, smart guy. Smart guy. You just hear him out and listen to his philosophies. You don't have to love everything he says, but. Don't never stop learning because no, you can always learn something from somebody. So we're gonna get into the topics here. Uh, yeah, it's called Water Cooler Edition for a reason. We're just gonna get on here. We're not gonna be, you know, negative Nancys by any means, but we're just gonna talk about the things that are kind of bothering us 
and what our thoughts are. And some of the stuff we're not going to just talk about strictly what we're what we're bothered by. We're going to talk just stuff we want to talk about, but most of it's stuff we get kind of we're kind of fed up with. The first thing on this list is I put out a video on TikTok, on Instagram. We break up all the clips. We break up all the long-form content we do. So this podcast gets breaking up and posted on TikTok and Instagram. And same with the This Will Do Farm YouTube videos. And This Will Do Farm YouTube video, there was a there was a clip of dad climbing on top of the bin. We were getting ready for harvest. And he was cleaning out the bird's nest that what it was it's in the, the grain spreader. Grain, sp- grain spreader. And there were eggs in this nest. What were they, robin eggs? They were, they were starling eggs. Starling eggs. And dad was just, you know, cleaning it out. And he had the he had the GoPro right on his head. And it was like a POV. And so he <laughs> grabs, he's like, well, wrong spot for you guys. <laughs> just tosses the eggs off the, the grain bin because, you know, we had to use the spreader. And you could not believe, I mean, there were so many people that thought it was just so funny. And there were so many people that, you know, or snowflakes and thought it was terrible. And I just could not, when I posted that clip, I had no idea how many people were going to react to it. Yeah. And on TikTok, it actually got taken down. It got taken <laughs> down for community guidelines for violent, violence. <laughs> violence and graphic content. And I appealed it because you can appeal the when they take down your stuff. And I appealed it and they still told me that it was too graphic for TikTok. And it was, it was go, I mean, it was going. People were, I had, I don't know, it had like 75,000 views in an hour. And I was like, holy crap. It's got a million views on Instagram. You know that? Yeah. It has a million views on Instagram. (laughs) And there's just people on there that either animal lovers or bird lovers that telling dad that what he's, what he did was illegal. And then there's people that are just saying yeet and like, well, I (laughs) think it's taken on a life of its own because what got it going on, both TikTok and Instagram was, and they might have been, I don't know if it was the same guy, but it was, maybe it was two different people, but somebody commented and they literally quoted the law about migratory birds. And I'll tell you what, I think I may have added to the fire a little bit because when I crawled up there and I flipped the lid open, the eggs that were in there, I... I didn't really think about it because I don't think I I don't think I'm that familiar with starling eggs, but the eggs were kind of blue. But when I watched it, I realized they weren't robin eggs um, because they're not the same. I know what robin eggs look like, but anyway, I'm like, oh, robin eggs, and I said, well, sorry, fellas, you picked the wrong place to make a nest because it was right down in the spreader. Well, anyway, this guy, whoever the guy that started it, he basically was telling me that I was violating the law because they were migratory birds. And he actually quoted the statute, the entire statute of what it said. And then some guy says, just random, you know, some guy says, yeah, it's fine, but he's a farmer. He can do whatever he wants. And oh shit. I mean, after that, it was like on like Donkey Kong. And that's why it just keeps going on Instagram is because you have these, you have these people that I mean, they were like seriously offended and just like... People are just so soft nowadays. Like I was a murderer. Oh, it's just terrible. I I could not believe, I just couldn't believe when I posted that. I had had no idea that that was going to strike a nerve with people. Yeah. And I love the comments of, you know, people bitching to you about it and then people just commenting the snowflake emoji. Nobody seemed to care that I'm a fat kid with poor... uh, 
poor balance and uh, poor fine motor skills standing yeah. on top of a grain bin. Nobody was worried about my safety. <laughs> no. They were just, just worried about me chucking these these eggs out of this grain spreader. I, it's and I mean, a bunch of cold-hearted com- bastards. How many com- how common is that every I mean every year? Every there, year all over America. Yeah, there's always birds nests in the grain spreader. Yeah. That's that's we're just the ones that posted it on the internet saying this is what it I just couldn't believe and I just think these platforms are getting softer and softer too. The, yeah, the fact that they the took that down. regulation is just insane. I mean, how is that graphic? It's not like you saw the egg splatter. It's not like you saw an ant. There was no... It was, they weren't baby birds. No, it was literally these small eggs that you just tossed off. Well, that just means next year I'm going to go up, and if there's birds, if there's eggs in there, I'm going to take them home, and I'm going to fry them up in a pan. Yeah. We're going to have them with well, some somebody, bacon. There were some people that were saying that, too. They were saying, you should have fried those up. Yeah, we're going to do it next year. But it's just unbelievable. These these platforms are just getting out of hand sometimes. I think that the power that they have is just a little bit ridiculous, and what they see violent versus... Cause Half the people, I'd say, eighty percent of the people that watched that thought it was funny, and they thought it was like, "Wow, that's well, that's 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 life of the farmer." And then there's that twenty percent of the people that are just snowflakes. What's really kind and of, I, and I, sorry for cutting you off, but I bet the reason it got taken down was that twenty percent they're oh. the loudest, and so they had to report. Every one of them probably reported that video, and yep. TikTok was like, "Yep, we got to take it down." Yep. The Gosh. crazy part to me was that I, when I saw that video, I was like, well, you know, there's nothing really. Sp- I thought the oh. only thing that anybody would find comical about that was me. Your commentary. Being, yeah, my commentary yeah. of getting up there and how I should put stairs on the bin and probably the fact that I was winded by the time I got up there because I'm out of shape. And I just thought it was some, you know, people are like, ah, oh, you fat bastard, whatever. I, it really wasn't that interesting. And, it oh, took yeah. on a whole life of its own, which is just insane. But I mean, that's anyway. the power of social media, though, too. I mean, the one side of it's ridiculous that it, it got taken down on TikTok. These platforms have way too much power, and that's what really bothers me. And soft-ass people nowadays. Yeah. Kidding me? You're soft if you think that's violent or graphic or that offends you. You're soft. Yeah. You're soft. But the, the other side of it is it's just like one clip that you think is just not interesting at all can... Hit, reach a million people yeah which is just insane so it's it's social media can be fun and it can be a good time and it's good to educate people but on the same time we're getting a little out of hand with regulating people and the snowflakes is just what would have happened if i would have taken the eggs and fed them to duke oh that would have really put okay, those people in a quandary because yeah. 80% of the people that complained were probably all animal lovers and so on the they would be so convicted. I don't know if they'd know what to do because on the one hand, you know, you can't be mad at the poor dog. It'd still be my fault, I guess. Oh yeah, it'd, it'd still be my fault. It's, it's not his nature to get up there and get right. birds' nests. So right there you go. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so I'm yeah. We're sick of the platforms. We're sick of the platforms. I mean, YouTube's pretty good. I'd say YouTube yeah. and definitely podcasts. You can be really open on podcasts, which is nice. If you talk about COVID, you get flagged for talking about COVID, but that's You just it. talked about COVID. Well, that's fine. We can get flagged. Most of our episodes <laughs> are flagged anyway, so I don't care. Well, speaking of getting flagged on social media, you think Elon's going to get Twitter bought? I I think he should because them Nimrods running it are pretty stupid, honestly. Yeah. You can just... People are fed up with what they're doing. I think Jack Dorsey kind of saw... I mean, he must have saw some writing on the wall. I mean, a little bit. I know yeah. the new CEO is kind of the one messing things up, but... 
even then he was probably like, this is too much for me. And this new CEO isn't doing a very good job. They took a month off. Do you see that? They're taking a month break because of the stress Elon's causing the company. Yeah. What a bunch of pansies. Yeah. Talk about snowflake culture. There you go right there. A whole company's going to take a month off because they're they're too much stress. They're so stressed out that that, because Elon's trying to buy their company and you're going to shut down. I mean, that's the, if you want to keep it out of Elon's hands, shutting down is probably the worst thing you can do. Well, in the, the fact, so them doing that just adds fuel to fire because when he bought his initial chunk and they were trying to make nice with him and they offered him a board seat, one of the first tweets that he put out after that all was going to happen was that uh, he was in favor in, of shutting down the headquarters of Twitter and making it into a homeless shelter because nobody does anything there anyway. Nobody works there. Well, And so then, then they turn around and they shut down for a month. And if they can shut down for a month and Twitter keeps rolling, what are all those people doing? Yeah. I just don't, I just don't get it. And if he doesn't, if it doesn't happen, one thing that has very much come to the surface is the people that are anti-free speech that came out of the woodwork because the blood was shooting out of their eyes at the possibility of Elon buying it. And um, the other part of it, though, is you brought up a good point. Yeah. Well, here, I want you kind of explain what's going on, because I don't know if everyone knows really exactly what happened. Like... Elon wanted to buy some Twitter, got, what, 9% of the company. They offered him a board seat. And then I think he kind of had an awakening, like, if I'm going to sit on the board of this company, we got to do some shit around here because this is not in order, pretty yeah. much. And he then and then he said, I want to buy the whole company yeah. and go private with it and not be holding to, um, what what do you call that? When you shareholders. Got shareholders, yeah, not beholden to shareholders. Because I think he thinks that's the best way to turn Twitter around. Right. And so now all this, what, there's these, the government's so, going to step in and try no, to... No, no, no. They, so, well, to back up on all this, you know, what, six months ago, five, maybe maybe it's only been four months ago, maybe, Elon put out a tweet about, um, you know, the problems with lack of free speech and the problems of censorship and he did like a poll. Should I? Is there room for another social media company or, yeah, or should something? I start my own platform. Yeah, should I show, start my own platform? And it was a you know it was an overwhelming yes. He should from from the from the Elon you know the all the fanboys out there that love Elon. Um, but then what what nobody knew at the time was very shortly after that, Elon started buying shares he started accumulating a position in Twitter. And when he finally filed, so he finally got to a point, there's a threshold. Once you buy so many shares, you have to file a form with the SEC that shows how big a position you have when you get to the point that you're of whatever size. And he filed that, and that's when it came to light that he he was the single biggest shareholder of Tesla, of Twitter stock. And I think that was is either nine is either nine or fifteen percent. I don't nine something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it was big enough that um, he. It was big enough that they were people were afraid that he was doing just what he 
now says he wants to do, they were afraid that he was coming after and going to try to like do a hostile takeover. And he wasn't. And, you know, he filed that. And then there were discussions between he and the chairman of the board and the CEO of Twitter. And they offered him a position on the board, which he agreed to. But then, um, and he posted this on his Twitter feed. He had conversations through that week and into the weekend with, I want to say, the chairman of the board or the chief financial officer. I, I guess I'm not, I, I don't know for sure which guy he was talking to. Um, but at the end of it, he basically said that he wasn't interested in being on the board and that he felt as though the only way that Twitter could be, um, the things that needed to happen at Twitter, the only way that was going to happen was for him to take it private and get rid of the board of directors. Mm -hmm. Because they were, I think what happened was, is he basically gave him his agenda, what he thought needed to, excuse me, happen. And they were like, there's no way in hell that this is going to happen. And so he was like, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. So he announced that he was going to make that bid of 5420. He likes his 420 pretty well. 5420 a share, which if you look back, Twitter has been basically flat. Um, it's very close to the price that it went public at. It's just, it hasn't done much. It just, it has lagged behind most other social media platforms. Um, so as far as shareholder value, the price that he offered to buy it at was about a 40% premium over where he started buying at. Now then, it's only about a 25% premium over where it was after it was announced that he bought that because the shares went way up. Mm -hmm. But, um, and the, the board of Twitter, it, well, pretty much if he, if they don't let him buy, yeah. he's going to sell all the shares and tank the stock anyway. Right. And so what they've done then is they've done what they call a poison pill, which I'm not sure how this is how this is legal, but it is legal because companies have done it before. What they're doing is pretty much everybody that owns stock in Twitter minus the block of stock that Elon owns, they're splitting that stock. And so they're diluting the share price. And so now then, rather than having 9%, he would only have, mm. he would only have 4.5%. Because his shares, the price gets Diminish. diluted. Mm -hmm. um, but the crazy thing, so to back up a little bit, when he made his offer, the board hired, they hired an investment bank, an investment house to um, basically explore whether or not that bid was fair or not. And I cannot remember the name of the of the bank. It wasn't Chase. Um I can't remember who it was. It pisses me off. But anyway, they hired this bank to evaluate the offer. And they came out and said, I mean, within a day, they said the offer is way undervalued. The only problem with that is that bank that they hired, their analyst that follows Twitter was, was recommending shorting the stock. And they had a $30 price target on Twitter. So on the one hand, they themselves were telling their investors, their clients, that they it was an opportunity to short Twitter. To short Twitter. And 
That so it, they wanted it to dilute this. They wanted Twitter to dilute the stock. Uh, well, right? and they were they were their recommendation was if you had it to sell it, mm-hmm. and their price target was thirty dollars. And then on the other hand, when they get hired, they say, "Oh no, that's too low." And Elon was nice enough to put their he screenshotted their their recommendation off of their website and who you know who the analyst was and all that. So it's just another example of the hypocrisy. Well, corruption. I mean, that was the big thing. It's the corruption. Yeah. Um, and so at the end of the day... Do you it, think he'll get it or no? Well, I think at the end of the day, it just all comes down to how how bad he wants to mess around with it. If it becomes too much of a distraction, I don't know if he'll follow through. But at the same time, he can go get the money. I mean, the money... I mean, he's the richest man in the world. Well, and he's not going to use all his money. He's right. got he's got bank set up. I think I think Chase. Well, that's the other <laughs> thing people don't really realize about rich, you know, Elon. His money's not cash. Yeah, <laughs> it's all and in, he's all not going to. It's all in his company, so he can't really like cash out and just put it into Twitter. Yeah, he's going to use somebody else's money to buy it. And here's the other thing: if he if he was to buy it. And take it private at fifty four dollars and twenty cents a share, and he had that had Twitter private for a year or two years, and he makes the changes that he wants, and then he turns around and he IPOs that stock, he takes it back to public. I will guarantee you, he could probably double his money. Oh yeah, easily he would double his money. I don't care what you say about Elon. Whatever the dude touches, it turns into gold. I mean, he's proven time and time again he makes really successful companies. Yeah. And he does a good job. And so <laughs> I think buying Twitter, would he would do what he always does. He'd yeah. make it a better company and it'd be more valuable there, but also it has his name on it. You so know, I think the first thing that he would do is fire a shitload of people because yeah. it's obvious that there it's very bloated. There's a hell of a lot of people there that don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And he would streamline it, cut costs, streamline it, and then have people, you know... Um, streamline the software and the algorithms and all that, and then turn around and take it public. I don't know whether he'll get it or not. Um, the other question you asked is, can you trust Elon? Yeah, I was just, I was listening to a podcast and they were sharing this kind of perspective and it made me really think for myself, but can you trust Elon? In the, and I say that, you know, we're big, we're big Tesla guys. We like Tesla. We think it's a really valuable company. We think it's going to crush. It's going to continue to crush on the stock market. Um, we like Starlink. We like we like what Elon stands for. You got to give the guy credit, no matter if you love him or hate him. He's a brilliant mind. He's going to go down as one of the most brilliant minds ever in history. And he's creating, he's inventing new things, and you can't take that away from him. And he's you know he's got a great mind, and you can't take that away from him. The one thing that I I I think is something that's not being talked about enough is he's playing the he's playing the. I don't know if it's an act or if it's actually who he is. I don't know, and it's hard to say because we don't know yet. But is he playing the act uh, and playing the part of being pro-freedom, pro-freedom, free speech for the American people, or is he just a pawn in the elitist game where he's playing that part, but over here he's getting greased, and there's a long-term plan to having Elon have our... Because everyone loves Elon right now. From the outside, if you look into what he's doing, what he tweets about, what he stands for, he's playing the part like, yeah, I'm pro-American, I'm pro-free, you know, free of choice, all that stuff. But you also got to think, this administration is paying him massive, massive dividends. 
you know, the Green New Deal, it's it's helping him out drastically. And so he's getting he's definitely benefiting off this administration. But he likes to play this part that he's really, you know, not for anti-establishment. Right, right, right. And I truly think I don't know what to think, but it's something to watch because let's be honest, elitists, they're they're power hungry, they're money hungry. He's the richest man in the world. And but he's different than most elitists. Yeah. He is definitely different. And I don't think Elon is power hungry. I don't think he's money hungry. But what Elon is hungry for is innovation. And he will be I think he's willing to do whatever it takes to make his his inventions go to the place it needs to go. And that if that means being greased by somebody so he can get what he needs to make SpaceX goes go right. to the moon or go to Mars, he'll do that. But he he does I don't think he gives a shit about power or money. Right. He just cares about getting his mission done. Yeah. And if anyone can help him in that and he has to give them value in return for whatever he needs, that's something to watch. And I will say this for wrapping this up. If Elon is true in his intentions of what he perceives to be, it's exactly what America needs. If we can have a billionaire actually not be corrupt and bought and paid for and is for, you know, pro-America and is a brilliant mind and is freedom for freedom of speech, it's exactly what we need. I will just add two things. Um, one, on the BlackRock is a major investor in Tesla. BlackRock has a lot of money in Tesla. But the flip side of it is Tesla has no debt. So they paid off the the money that they had borrowed. They paid it off early. Um, and they actually paid, I think they paid a little bit of penalty for doing that. And so one could say on the one hand, if anybody that has a relationship with BlackRock um, isn't on my list of favorite people, but the it, that's, that's a little bit difficult because BlackRock's gotten to the scale that pretty much any company that's in the S&P 500, if you're in the top 10% of that, even at hell, if you're in the top half of that, there's a pretty good chance BlackRock probably has money invested in that company. So that's not a big deal. The thing that I like is that they're to the point now that they're not beholden to pretty much anybody because they don't owe anybody any money. And they're printing so much money that it kind of gives me... I feel pretty good that he is genuine, and I don't think you'll ever know 100%. I I mean, so far, he's given me a reason not to. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm just weary of it. Oh, yeah. It's you hard should to trust be. people nowadays, and it's especially hard to trust elitists. Yep. And I don't want to say he's an elitist, but he is. No, he is an I elitist. I mean, he's, he's, about, he's the wealthiest man in the world. Yeah. I mean, you got to be a little weary of it, but yeah. so far, he's different than any elite person elitist there is out there yeah so time will tell it's just something to think about go ahead and talk about prop 12 and what your thoughts are i to me if anyone doesn't know what prop 12 is california is trying to regulate hog sow units and the the square footage square footage of how much pen space they need all these sows and piglets and everything and um it's I, I'm kind of sick of talking about it, to be honest, because it's just one of these things that I think we need to just tell them to shove it and shut up and rest of the world's not going to confine to what California wants to do. So screw you. You just will have $16 bacon or whatever you want, especially during these times. But 
you go ahead and go in on it because yeah. you wanted to say well, a few things. And I'm kind of like you in the fact I'm I'm pretty tired of talking about it. Um, the the fifty thousand foot view is that that statute is it got appealed to the United States Supreme Court and they're going to hear arguments on it. So it is going to get settled one way or another. And I don't know if it'll be overturned or whether it'll be upheld. But uh, I will say this: something that really pisses me off is within our industry i don't know why we coddle that that uh that mindset i don't know why we cozy up to people that are are pushing that agenda and and by that i mean the other day i saw a podcast and i honestly i can't remember i can't remember whose it was but it was it was a it was a vet clinic and they had they had a i'm assuming was the owner of a of a sow farm and they were making all the changes that they had to to make their sow unit prop 12 compatible and they may have been getting pushed that way by the packer that they were sending their meat to. They might be thinking that they... Well, I was going to say, I mean, there's opportunity there. That's the thing, you mm-hmm. know. If you're a capitalist, you see opportunity there. But yep, it's, it's, it's one state out of 50. That's yeah. my thing. Well, my, my point of it is that I just feel like that as an industry, we're like everybody in the, else in the fact that we're so soft. For years, the 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 people on that side of the argument we have been trying to accommodate them and we've been trying to appease them and you you do not you do not get in bed and appease people whose goal is to put you out of business and these people this is just another wheel in the machine it's just another step it's another way that they found to take a chunk and their overarching goal is to put animal agriculture out of business. And as an industry, I feel like we should probably just flip them the bird because here's where we're headed. Well, we're, especially right now. We're yeah. headed to a time of food insecurity. If, if the issues that are dominating the world stage continue as it looks like they're going to, we're going to have a shortage of almost every commodity out there. And food prices, outside of having to accommodate a specific way to raise uh, a meat product, outside of that, are going to skyrocket. They already are. They already are up. And they're continue to go up. So all you're doing with this proposition is adding... More, more burden to the people that can least afford what's happening to them regardless. Yeah, I mean, Californians are going to suffer the worst. I mean, they're already going to suffer with food prices, and yep. then you're going to add this on top of it. Yeah. And you're just going to skyrocket the price even more. I feel like we, we're to the point where we just need to be, we need to be united. We ha- need to have a united front, and we need to say, you can do whatever you want to do, and if you do not want our product... We will ship it somewhere else in the world because don't kid yourself. There is nobody in a country that has food insecurity today. We as Americans do not know what food insecurity is on any large scale. There are countries around the world that know that every day. And 
when we can ship our product there, we do not have to ship it to California. And here's the thing. The amount of pork, the amount of beef, the amount of poultry, the amount of grains throughout the entire world, we're headed to a time where they may not be at record lows, but they're going to be constrained more than they ever have been since probably World War II. So in my mind, it would be a really good time for us to figure out what our priorities are as, a, as people and as a nation. And if food security is important to you, then you need to set aside your political agenda and think about the people. Think about what's best for the people. And Prop 12 is not. And in our industry, and I've said this before, the equipment industry within the swine industry, those guys, they're falling all over themselves because they will profit. If this goes through, the equipment companies will profit because they are going to have guaranteed business of people remodeling. So they're not your friends because on the one hand, they, they want to be every poor producer's friend, but on the other side, they want to sell all this stuff. So I don't feel like they're being genuine in, in what they're doing, and that might be an unpopular view, but it all gets back to this, this idea, and, and this is kind of an overarching theme in this podcast, is the older I get, the fewer people I trust. And I just don't trust a lot of people to do what is necessarily best. For the people. I trust them to do what's best for their pocketbook 90% of the time. And I feel like our industry needs to do a better, we really need to do some soul searching to decide, you know, how far are we going to go down this road? And I think it's time to just say, you know what, we're not going to go down this road. We're going to, we, science is on our side. There's a reason why we produce pork in the most efficient manner at the least cost per pound of anywhere in the world. And that is very important. And it's going to become more important because we're going to be the ones to carry the rest of the world. And our production has to get better, not worse. And it's not going to get better going backwards. It's just going to make it worse. It's going to be Where's harder my on labor. Yeah, bomb, bomb button. Bomb it's button. going to be harder on, for labor to find labor. It's going to be harder on the, the amount of pigs that you get out of a litter because more pigs are going to get crushed because the sows will just lay down if it's open pen. And it's just going to not be a good deal. But um, I want to just say, uh, Gary V always said this, people... People bitch about stuff when it's really easy times. You yep. know, they, they get a certain type of milk in their coffee when they didn't want it, and they'll go up and they'll bitch about it. But when times get hard, yep. people really let those small things go, and they don't complain about them. Yep. And you, we are heading to a time where food prices are going to be outrageous, and you're not going to care how you get your pork or how you get your beef or how you get your chicken. You're just glad that you're getting it. Yep. And if you can get it cheaper than anywhere else in the world, you're not going to complain about that. So, and, you're, so you're saying that next fall nobody may complain when we put the video out of me throwing the bird's nest out of the grain spreader? <laughs> no, because people are too big as snowflakes. <laughs> but I just think people will get more, they'll be less to complain, yeah. I think, because of the times we're heading. Hard times make strong men. Hard men. Hard times make hard men and what soft times make soft men and then soft men make hard times we're heading to soft men make hard times we're heading to hard times because of all the soft men that have populated our our country for the last however many years and one thing i wanted to say too is i always hear people say 
I don't know why, why I don't know why this food system America got this way, how it's so, you know, there's so many conglomerates and it's not, you know, there's not a bunch of like smaller USDA processing plants and it's just this massive thing and it's not like, you know, like they, they make, they get mad because we're not, everyone's not doing the, uh, S- sustainable practices, quote unquote, you'd say, letting pigs r- go outside, which we can argue if that's sustainable or not. But they don't ever seem to talk about we had to do that because we had to get product. We had to be more productive as in our food system because if we weren't, if we didn't do that, the only reason we wouldn't be able to feed as many people. We have one percent of the people feeding the ninety nine percent of people in this world. And there's a reason for that. The reason the United States of America has been able to be as successful as they have is because so few people have had to spend their time worrying about where, worrying about where their food's coming from. Yeah. And, and that's, that's it. They always say, they always talk about that we're always focused about the bottom line dollar. Everything's about the money. Everything's about the money. But you really skip over the fact that we had to do this to thrive as a nation. And we had to get more productive because we had to feed the growing population. And if we would go, if we were to never evolve and we were to never got more productive, it's exactly what you said. We would have had more and more people focus on where they're going to get their food rather than focus on what they can do in their day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. And that's, just, I just can't believe people don't even think about that. Like, obviously this system is effective, People get very comfortable, and they believe that uh, everything is as as it has been will forever be how it will be and how it will be in the future. I probably didn't say that quite as smoothly as I could, <laughs> but that is a nice tie yeah. into uh, the people in Ukraine. They're they're realizing today, and they've realized obviously for this has been going on for six weeks now. Is it six weeks? I don't know if it's been quite that long or not, but you know their entire world's changed, their entire country's changed. All their hopes and dreams that they that they thought um, were going to come to be, that's all changed. Everything that it was a pri- excuse me, everything that was a priority to those people, all those priorities have changed. And I don't think that we as Americans can. We just don't know what that's like. Um, we know what that's like on an individual basis. If you've had someone. You know, if you've lost somebody tragically, quickly, um, if you've been in an accident, if you've had a house burned down, I, you know, you've there's plenty of individual people that have had traumatic events that have altered their lives and changed their priorities. But we don't know as a nation what it's like to have you, basically your country collapse around you. And that's what's going on over there. And the ripple effects of what's going on in Ukraine, that's going to play out in ways that I, I think, I don't think we fully understand. And, you know, one of the things that we, that we've talked about throughout this is inflation and commodity prices. And you're seeing that in, you know, corn and wheat and soybeans and, and everything. But what's scary to me about that is, so far, we are trading in the commodity world. We are trading. Uh, we're trading the rumor. In other words, we're trading the anticipation. We're trading what could happen 
a year from now. We're not trading what's happening. A year from now, you could be looking at a situation where prices are much worse than they are today because now it is a reality. So, you know, in Ukraine, there are farmers there in the western part of that country that 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 land hasn't been affected as much, and they've got they may or may not have their inputs and their fertilizer available, but I know there's a lot of them, obviously, that they're planting a crop right now. In fact, they, I don't know how far along in their, in their spring planting they would be, but um, they're planting a crop. Now, how big that crop will be, nobody really knows. Will they be able to harvest it? Nobody really knows. Are they going to have fuel? Yeah. Will they be able to dry that crop? Will they be able to deliver it? Will they have any place to deliver it to? And will it be able to get exported? I'll guarantee it's not going to get exported because it would go to Odessa. And Odessa, there'll be no traffic through the Black Sea. No freighters are going to, they're just not, it's not going to happen. Why? Well, because you can't get into the Black Sea and you've got the Russian Navy in there and they're going to blockade if they're still functioning. Now, you know, side note, uh, Russia has 12 ships in their Black Sea fleet. The two most advanced ships that they had have both been sunk. So the flagship of the Black Fleet was the Moscow. That was a cruiser or a destroyer, and it got sunk last week. Um, and the two that got sunk had the best defensive capability. And so there's some question as to whether or not the Russians can sustain um, this power. control of the Black Sea. Time will tell, but... It doesn't really matter. They've bombed enough in Odessa, and most companies that run, you know, freighters, they're not going to send anybody into the Black Sea unless you've completely, unless you've completely taken care of the Russian fleet to where they can't, they can't do anything. Which that's pretty unlikely unless the war escalates and NATO gets involved. But um, whether that grain, whether what they produce can be transported out of the country, you know, over land, uh, some, but I don't know at what scale you can do it. But it all depends if they got fuel. I mean, fuel's a huge part of everything yeah. that you do in agriculture, for farming, grain anyway. Yeah. I mean, you got to have fuel. You got to use it to dry it. You got to use it for transportation. You got to use it to get the crop in, out, yeah. all of that. So, I mean, that that's a, I mean, that's a huge factor for them yeah. is, fuel and so you know something that's really interesting that's come to light there's a there's a guy his name's peter zion and he's written three books he's got a fourth book coming out um if you look him up on twitter youtube about anywhere he'll come up very interested cat uh he's from iowa grew up in iowa and he is a he is specializes in geography political science and demographics and he has some really unique takes on not only why we're where we are in Europe, but how we got there and where we're going. And uh, I would recommend uh, listening to him if you get the chance, read his books. Um, just a really, just a really unique point of view that, you know, you can do your own research and it'll, it'll broaden your, it'll broaden your view as far as you know, why people do what they do. But anyway, I think one thing that is very apparent, and you can, the Germans know this firsthand, but, you know, we saw this evolution where Europe 
uh, cozied up to Russia and the environmentalists in Europe wanted all the nuclear power plants shut down. France and Germany were among the leaders in the world with nuclear power and the snowflakes and the environmentalists and um, the, the, hey, you know, look at me, look at me crowd, they pushed that agenda hard and both Germany and France um, replaced a lot of their nuclear uh, capability with fuel and energy from Russia and then went solar and wind and now it's bit them in the ass completely because they're de- they're dependent on Russia yeah fuel and I will give Germany credit a lot of people didn't think that they had the balls to um, to not fold to Russia but they didn't and um, that's good that's surprising um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how how the rest of Europe copes with the lack of energy. And I don't know if the United States, this is, this gets into the, the ineptness of the Biden administration. And, you know, if I'd like to think that if there was a Republican on office that was doing as poor a job as what Joe Biden is, that I would be equally upset with their job performance as I am with Joe's. I don't care who you are. Um, The United States should be taking a lead role in producing as much oil. We should be producing as much oil as we possibly could. Our goal should be to get back and eclipse the production that was going on during the Trump administration. And um, that's not happening. Um, They did open up uh, more federal land for... um, permits, but they raised the cost of the permits. They limited the amount of time and the size of uh, contract they would give. I mean, they basically just did the bare minimum they could do and say that they did something is, right. is what they did. And Pretty much a headline. Yeah, it that's all it was. It wasn't, there's no meat to it. Um, but it's going to be on our shoulders. I mean, more, more than it has been since World War II if we want Europe to stay um, independent and be able to keep uh, freedom on that continent, the United States is going to have to step up and help supply them with energy, supply them with food. Or, um, shut, or stop Russia. Yeah. I mean, that's, those are your two options right yeah. there. Yeah. And you're seeing, the, you're seeing a lot of interesting developments there. You know, um, Finland and Sweden both have votes coming up in the next couple weeks as to whether they'll join NATO, and they both have traditionally been independent, and there's a long history with both of them um, with Russia. Finland, more so than Sweden, but, you know, Finland, the reason they've stayed independent is basically they fought the Russians to a stalemate in World War II, and then the Soviet Union kind of made a deal with them that if they didn't, uh, if they didn't pledge allegiance to anybody else, that they just kind of leave them alone. But now, with everything that's happened, Finland has made the decision with Sweden, and I think they both will join. They'll end up joining NATO. But uh, there's just so much uncertainty over there, and it's got a lot of ripple effects. It can affect a lot yep. of people. What's happening over there it can affect us in the markets, affect what we're doing. It's going to affect Europe. Yeah. It's going to affect, obviously, affect Ukraine. It's already affecting Ukraine. Yeah. 
and America has something, they can do something about it. It's just a matter if they do something about it. Yeah. It's a time for strong leadership, and there's some question as to whether or not we have that, uh, whether anybody we have in the administration right now is capable. Yeah, we think it's bad now with the markets and everything, but, I mean, just how what's going on in the world stage, it's just things could get way worse. I mean, really, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it's truth, so prepare yourself, prepare your families, and, I mean, we think food price is really bad now. I mean, it could get worse, so buy double. When you go buy something, buy double. Not saying prepare for the end, but geez, get get some. Be smart with your stuff, you know. You can double up on things, and you know, buy some ammo. Maybe I don't know. So torques, torques. Uh, if there's any available, yeah. <laughs> torques inflation uh, barometer is Bush's baked beans. So oh, I thought you were gonna say spam. No, spam stays pretty consistent. It's pretty consistent, although I'm sure it is going up. Um, but I just know this. Because uh, our family, our traditional summer meal is uh, the double starch meal, where typically it's like uh, pasta salad, baked beans, and, and fill in the blank. Meat. Brat, burgers, hot dogs, whatever it is, uh, baked beans is like a staple. And so, you know, a year ago, you could buy Bush's baked beans for $1.48 a can, and then they were $1.99 a can. And then they were two twenty five a can. And I think the last time I was with Trish at the store, I think you could get Bush's baked beans for two sixty nine a can. So that tells you it's it's you know, I don't know what the rate of inflation on that is, but it's close to a hundred percent there. Yeah. And, you know, we have next year will I have three dollar and fifty cent Bush's baked beans? I don't know. But obviously there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, you see it at the meat counter. You've seen it with chicken, hard. And and the meat's outrageous. But so let's put on our farmer hats. What we talked about when we were were hashing this out is, you know, I feel pretty good about the crop that I'm getting ready to put in the ground. And if this weather stays, if we can get through this rainy bit, we're finally warmed up, I think we'll be planting corn next week sometime. Last year, we planted corn on the 18th, and we obviously we didn't make that, but um, I think next week we'll get our corn beans planted. But, you know, we, we got the seed bought, and seed really didn't go up that much. And we're very lucky. Uh, we're smart. We're, don't let anybody tell you we're not smart because we built these hog buildings, and uh, we got all this manure out of these hog buildings, which makes you look pretty smart now because uh, the fertilizer value out of that manure is pretty good this year. So we got most of our you know fertilizer covered with the exception of a little bit of starter that we'll probably side dress with. Um, but what I'm worried about is let's think about trying to put in a crop for 2023 because when we get to fall this year diesel fuel to take that crop out lp to dry that crop seed corn for next year nitrogen for next year and then you know for the guys that rent a lot of ground um if you've got if you've got people that own ground that are retired their cost of living went up and they're looking at you selling the highest price crop that you've probably ever raised do you think rent's going to stay same? Nope. You can go and cry your eyes out. And those guys are going to be like, well... I got to live, bro. There's four other people that'll pay more than you are, so you can either pay it or not. So everything is going to go up, and it's going to get tight. I told Sawyer, I said, you know, I think next year you have the chance to grow the, the most 
profitable crop that you've ever grown revenue wise. or revenue wise, yeah. but it may be the least profitable crop or one of the least profitable if all your expenses explode mm-hmm. the way they are. So yeah, just a lot of uncertainty. It's like you're not going to really gain in much. It's going to probably be turn out to be in like an average year because your cost of everything is skyrocketed and your revenue that you made on the crop is going to be skyrocketed. So it's just going to be, it's going to play out. You might make a little more. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. Depending on how big of a deficit, you know, how much lack of supply there is, but yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, we kind of went on a tangent there, but we covered all kinds we of stuff. We covered all kinds of stuff. I think one thing that's really bothered me and I don't care, dad, you kind of mentioned this. If, if there was a Republican in office doing as bad as Joe Biden's administration, would you be as pissed? I, I certainly would. I don't care who you are. You cannot sit here and tell me that this administration has done a good job. You cannot sit up here and tell me that Joe Biden looks like a great leader. He looks, we're going to talk about here this Easter. Did you, if you saw the video of him aimlessly wandering around and the Easter bunny had to come assist him to get him to the place he was going to go. I mean, I feel like I don't have any hatred towards Joe Biden. I truly think he, he is losing his marbles. I mean, he really doesn't seem like he's all there. What? And it's it's sad to see it, but it's also like this is supposed to be the world. This is supposed to be our leader, and it's embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing, and I don't care who you are. You got to somewhat agree with that statement. You do. It's elder abuse is what it I is. Mean, the people that are running him, somebody should be... And here's the problem. I honestly think, I honestly think that if the people that are in charge at the White House, if they thought that Kamala Harris was a better representative, they would, there, something would have happened to Joe that he was not able to continue, and she would have been... I, I think somebody would have invoked the 25th I Amendment. I don't know. I don't think people... I don't... If they wanted her to be in, I think they should be in already. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. She is so... She... When they brought her in... But I don't know. They might still be on that game plan. I don't know. She is a freaking train wreck. Yeah, but... They said... I guarantee you they won't send her back to Europe. I don't know. I mean, he's missed on about everything, about every mark you can miss. I mean, the energy independence lost that. Afghanistan couldn't have handled that any worse. Yep. Uh, Ukraine deal, we're not doing nearly enough. Um, well, we could have inflation. done a lot. We could have done a lot more before. Now, right. I mean, the argument about what we do or don't do now, our hands are a little bit tied, but we definitely could have done much more on the front side before that deal started. The and whole, we didn't do it. The whole inflation thing, I mean, you can't, you could say, well, that's not really on Biden, but I mean. It is on Biden. It is. The whole idea Stimulus that you're going to blame check. Putin on that. Yeah. That and is that, bullshit. That's, that's the other thing that just pisses you off is they try to, they really think that Americans are that stupid that, what are they, what are the exact word that they say? What are the, Putin price hike. Yep. They call it the Putin price hike. You really think we're that stupid? Yeah. Like it genuinely pisses me off thinking that you think Americans are that stupid to say that you're going to blame it on Putin of what, all the prices that are going on right yeah. now. That it's ship unreal. was real. That ship left the dock long before the Ukraine war started. And I, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't I don't care if it was any Republican in office doing the same thing that he's doing. It's it's ridiculous, it's sad to see, it's embarrassing and I'm I'm really praying that people got their heads screwed on right come 2024 and I hope it's a fucking blowout. I hope Robert DeSantis runs and he lays the hammer down 
and people can get, can, get, can get behind him, and it's like a 70-30. You know, I don't, you don't want to talk about election fraud or anything like that, but the fact that there's even a question about it, we need to, you got to make it such a substantial win that you can't even, you can't even have a thought that there was election fraud. Fraud. So I, vote the living shit out of it and see what happens. Vote early and vote often. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's just the way that the left is going, it's just, it's so extreme, it's unreal. And this administration is doing nothing but proving how lost they are and how, how not pro-America they are. They don't, yeah. they're not pro-freedom. They're not. They oh, speaking of pro-freedom... So you had on here, you had on here right in that that COVID's gone because the airlines, after the judge, after the judge declared the the mask mandate for public transit to be uh, on, unconstitutional, all the airlines lifted the mask mandate. However, your government, in their infinite wisdom, announced this morning that the CDC told them how important it was to continue mass on public transportation. So, because they're so pro-freedom, they're going to appeal that decision. From all these airlines. And it's not, it's not just like one airline. It's no, like, no. It's everything. Yeah. They're, gonna, they're appealing it, and if they win their appeal, you'll be back to having a mask on all public transportation. So there's, a, there's, there's a perfect example of the federal government stepping in and telling us people what we can and can't do, and telling what these corporations that are... I don't know. They're not all. Are they public? Yeah, they're all publicly I mean, traded. Yeah. I mean, so you kind of Southwest American yeah. United. Now I don't know how much. I don't know how much loan money they've gotten from the government from COVID. But so my question about that is: Do you, for all of you out there, you can comment on this as you please. But my question about that decision there is: What would push the United States government to spend your tax dollars to appeal that decision? when we're this far through the COVID uh, outbreak to where the rate of infection is very low. And I might add that, um, you know, you've seen the Chinese shut down Shanghai and do lockdowns, and, and they don't really talk about this, but the reason they do that is because the Chinese don't use the same vaccine that we do in the West. They have their own vaccine. And under the original coronavirus, when it left the Wuhan lab, oh, did I say yeah, that? Yeah, uh, whatever. Right. Uh, when it miraculously just showed up in the Wuhan area, um, it was about 50% effective on that strain. As the virus has mutated, their vaccine that they are vaccinating their population with has become dramatically poor at giving any kind of... Um, Resistance. Yeah, and... By most estimates today, the latest, the Omicron version and the one that's out yeah, after that, yeah. it's at best maybe 20% effective. So their only choice when they get any sort of outbreak is to lock those cities down. That's why you're seeing that because they get no, they get no benefit from the vaccine. Okay, well, back here, we get very good benefit from the vaccine if you believe in the vaccine, which that's fine. I don't care one way or another. But um, why do you think that they're so that they're going to appeal that? And if you think that that's for public safety, then that's fine. But I don't, I don't really believe that. I don't think the reason they're appealing that is because they're really worried about public safety. I think it all comes down to 
within this administration and within the political system we have today, it is just another example that they will spend your money to appeal it, and they will go through the trouble to appeal it in the hopes that they can make it make it enforceable again, and it's all about control. It's all about you submitting to the government and the you admitting that the government knows what's best for you. It doesn't have, I don't believe it has anything to do with the numbers and, you know, follow the science. Well, I don't think that they're following the science at all. I think it's about control, and I think that's why they're doing it. I think it's just well, it another breeds, example. It breeds, you, it breeds you to think that way. Yeah, You start to think, oh, well, government's got my best interests in mind, you know? They got my best interests in mind, and is you just let them keep taking and chipping away. You yeah. just slowly start to, you know, yeah. abide by whatever they say. And I'm pretty sure that any, any bureaucrats uh, that saw the videos where pilots announced that they didn't require mass and the people are cheering. They probably just watch that with just very high level of disdain because they don't like that because they don't like independent thought and they don't like people that are not dependent upon them. So I think that has as much to do with it as anything. One other thing I want to throw in here about Biden is he, you know, hired or he elected or what did you call it? The Supreme Court. Yeah. He appointed the. Yeah, appointed the Supreme Court. Justice. Justice. Uh, I can't remember what her name is, but she's the first African-American woman woman uh, to be on the Supreme Court. Because let's face it, Clarence Thomas, he doesn't count because he was a Republican. Yeah, right. So Exactly. But anyway, before he hired her, he said that he was going to hire a black African-American, a black woman to be on the Supreme Court. And I think it, I don't know, I think it's just sad to not, he's, he's solely going to hire that position because of her skin color. And I would it would be really hard for me if I was in her shoes to not feel like I'm being used. You're not you're not hiring me because of my performance. You're hiring me because of what I look like. Yeah. And you're using me as a pawn in your political scheme. And the fact that you talk about it over and over and over and over, you don't talk about my performance. You talk about my skin color more than my performance. And gender. And gender. It just makes it. It's it's sad, and I I can't imagine she, she probably is happy she got the position, but. You can't tell me she's not sitting there a little bit going, man, did I really get this position because of who I am or did I get a position because who I am as a judge and my performance? Yeah. You got to wonder. And it's, I wish that they didn't, they didn't make decisions because of race. I wish they would make, I think our country would be better off if we weren't thinking about those things and we didn't care about your color, care about where you came from, care about your religion, whatever you want to do, whoever you want to sleep with, whatever your color is, fine. What's your performance? And I'll hire you depending. I wouldn't care if it was an Indian woman or an Asian man or a white guy or a black guy. I don't care who you are. What's your performance as a judge? That's what I care about. That's what the American people care about. And when you just... That's what we should all care about. That's what we should all care about. And I think a lot of people are in that, that we didn't care who you are, but if you're, as long as you're a good judge. Yeah. You're going to do good, do right by the American people. Yeah. And it just seems like they didn't... She's, it, it, it didn't seem that that was the way that they went about that situation. And that's also just kind of sad for her, I feel like, and for us American people because we may or may not have gotten the best person, right, most best, qualified person. Right, we might not have got the most qualified yeah. person for the job. We kind of jumped around a little bit. This this was on the back page, but I it kind of ties into what we were talking about uh, with a lot of problems in our supply chain and with inflation and all that. Um, I was... 
I was talking to a guy the other day, an investment uh, professional, and we were we were talking about uh, the labor issues. And, you know, Walmart announced, and I think this is true. I didn't look this story up. I just saw the headline. They're paying like over $100,000 to a qualified person that is a truck driver. I don't know whether that, you know, I don't know whether that's, I'm assuming that's somebody that is, um, has qual is qualified and has already been a trucker and that they don't have to train somebody that can just come in and get in a truck and go, they're paying them over a hundred thousand dollars because they're so short. They can't get, they can't get enough trucks. They can't get enough people to drive them, all that. And the labor shortage is, is bad and it's getting worse. And this guy said that right now, the, the largest, so we're at the top, we're at the top of the bubble of the baby boomer generation retiring. So there is a, there is somebody retiring, turning 65 and retiring every nine seconds right now. And, um, that, which, you know, that's not all that surprising. I didn't know it was every nine seconds, however you want to make it, um, play out. But what, the statistic, the statistic that I thought was very interesting was that in 1960, there were six people working for every one person that was a retiree. And today, there are three workers for every person that is retiring. So it's half. And at the when we get through this bubble of, of baby boomers retiring, it will be almost two workers for every one retiree. So if any of you out there think that if you're my age, I'm 50, if you think you're going to have social security, you got another thing coming because it, it's done. It's going to be so done. And I, I, you know, they can say whatever they want, but it's that money you paid in. Thanks a lot for that because you ain't going to see that. You better, you better go buy some Tesla stock before the 21, 20 to one split because you're going to need that money in retirement. What, where do you think most of those jobs are where do you think do you think Skilled. that's across the board or do you think that's blue collar labor jobs all the above all the above. the worst part about it is it's the most skilled workforce we've ever had and if you look at if you look at any who's the most skilled the ones that are retired yeah because okay. those guys have got year so a lot of those guys um they are the generation that when they started with a job they stuck with it they're not like they're not like like your generation or Clay's generation or even my generation, we all moved around more. And if we got, you know, if we didn't like the way it went, we were like, screw you, we're out of here. That generation, they wanted stability. They got a job, got a family, got a house, stayed in that house, paid that house off, you know, raised those kids and retired with that company. If they could, if, you know, that company didn't go broke or whatever. So they're very... The jobs that they had, they were the best at those jobs of anybody they've ever had. And the other side of it is a lot of the jobs that they're retiring from are trades, which are already shorthanded. I mean, it's just like when we built your hog building, we did those videos on the concrete guy that poured that pit. That's all he's ever done his whole life, and he's damn good at it. He's retired. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he sold his crew. He doesn't do it anymore. The... Tracy's dad that dug the hole, I mean, I think he's still running the dozer and he'll run a dozer till the day he dies. But the knowledge that he has, you don't just pass that down. I mean, you don't learn that over. Mm-hmm. There's just a huge amount of those people that are very skilled that they're going to be very hard to replace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, 
commodity prices are high, but supplies are going to get tight because the transportation, we got problems with transportation, we got problems with production, we got problems, not enough plumbers, not enough electricians, not enough, you name it. I mean, they're just, we're going to be short on everything. Any young people watching or listening, and you're wondering about college and how outrageous the price is, and if you're not going to go to be a doctor, you're not going to be go to be a lawyer, you're not going to go to be an engineer, you're not going to go to get... If college is the only place you can learn that skill, okay, then go to college. But if you're on, if you're, if you're wondering what you should do, blue collar trades can be your the gas to your fire to to go and do whatever you want because mm-hmm. there's you're going to be able to make a lot of money with trades. Yep. you are going to be. I don't know if you want to be a business owner of a trade or you just want to work for a company doing a specific trade. Either way, you're going to make a lot of money. And if you're somebody that just wants to have some freedom, I think they're going to, there's such a demand there. Yep. And it's only going to go up higher the more that this labor shortage continues. And let's face it, Gen Z, Gen X, people don't know how to do shit when it comes to trades. <laughs> That's right. They don't. They don't. And they're going to pay however much they need to pay to get the job done. And, if you lack, if most people lack the common knowledge on those things, you're going to be able to set the price however you want, and then the demand's going to be less and less already. Yeah. So that's going to play effect in how much you can price things. So I think there's just an, a massive opportunity for trades. Whether you want to own a, be an entrepreneur and own your own trade, you know, business, or you work for somebody in a trade. Uh, I have a buddy that shout out to Matt. Matt Roder. He owns an epoxy company. He worked for. He went to college for two years, dropped out because. There was nothing serving him there. Worked for a epoxy company and learned everything there is to know about epoxy. And I'm going to have him on here sometime in the next year. But he just started his own business and he learned that skill. He learned everything there is to know about the epoxy business. Two years later, he's going out on his own, starting his own thing. And he's been in business for probably a month now. He is busy. And he is busy. He's crushing it. He's got people skills. He knows his trade well, and he's just getting his name out there. And people are lining up at the door to get their garage floors done, to get anything done. Yep. So it's just like it's such an opportunity there, and there's such a lack of people willing to do that that hard, gritty work. And there's there's honor in doing working yeah, with your hands. Yes, there's honor in working your hands. Seriously, I mean, I think we've been fed a bill of goods that you know that's below us that's below you to work with your hands every day but there's honor in that and there's there's something to be said about somebody that's doing that kind of work so so the you know the plumber that i work with when i call him you know i'm just thankful when he answers the phone and he tells me that he can get there because he's got all the work he's got all the work that he can do and you know every time that i talk to him i ask him about labor and he'll tell you it's like if there's anybody out there if he could find more people to hire he would hire them but part of his problem is he he's got a guy that you know he's training but he can only train so many people and he he can only grow so fast and that's a that's a prime example that trade so many of the guys that are in it they're all retiring they're all getting old and their knees get bad and they get arthritis and they can't be doing that and so i mean it's a it's a it's just a tough deal right now so if you're a young if you're a young kid i mean if you're if you're have a corporate job or you've got a job and you want to make a change these trades they're paying 
they're paying whatever they can pay to get people in there to that, do it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, even if you just want the money to like pay off your loans or you got you need some money so that you want to like you like let's say you don't want to own the trade business, like you don't want to be the business owner, but I think even as an employee working for a trade company, you can make a shit. I mean, you can make a lot you of money. You make good money. You can make damn good money and it can fund whatever your lifestyle is. Yeah. We totally we totally have jumped in and out of order and i had i had a great bit tied in with trucking and and inflation and all that but um we're this is going to be a little bit off the subject but i wanted to get it in because a lot of people ask about this when i'm talk when i'm talking to people about um crypto specifically i get questions about this and i really didn't know the answers because i haven't had one but when that whole canadian trucker rally went on you know and they went to the capital and then the government froze their bank accounts and they were getting money people were sending them money in crypto they were sending bitcoin to them and then they froze the exchanges and every you saw it on the news people were talking about how um you know crypto's not safe yeah crypto's not safe because they're going to freeze your freeze your exchange and all that well the answer to that is what they call a hardware wallet. And what that is, is when you when you buy whatever crypto it is, whether it, you know, and there's a pile of them, whether you're a Doge guy or Cardano or, or Ethereum or Bitcoin or one of the hundreds of other ones, there's all these exchanges. There's Binance, there's Coinbase, Coinbase um, Cash App, Cash App uh, all different ones. And you can buy it, and then you can store that cryptocurrency on that exchange. The downside of that is, and the saying within the crypto world is, if it's not your keys, it's not your crypto. And what that means is, if you don't take that cryptocurrency off the exchange, if you don't transfer it to what they call uh, a hardware wallet or a cold storage wallet, and it's on whatever, wherever you're storing it. If it's connected to the internet, somebody can get to it. Somebody can freeze that account. I mean, it's not likely to happen with the big exchanges because they know the opportunity of having a successful right. exchange. And we're kind of past the, the stage in crypto where there's these phony exchanges. Yeah, it's more. There's some that are really established, and I don't think they would ever take your money away. No. But the government thing with Canada is worrisome. So yeah continue so anyway to about a week ago i decided you know what it's high time that i get my crypto off the exchanges so i got a it's a trezor the brand name is trezor and the two most popular hardware wallets out there i think are nano and trezor and i bought a trezor t i actually bought two um, I bought one and then I got to thinking about it and I bought another one so that I can back one up to the next because I'm getting paranoid. I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'm getting more paranoid by the day. It won't be long before I'll be wearing... You need uh, your tinfoil hat. Yep, I'll have a tinfoil hat and, uh, you know, <laughs> be whatever. Be in a freaking bunker. Probably eating my... I'll buy an 80-pound bag of rice here before long. But anyway, uh, I got it. And um, I transferred... I transferred all everything that I could transfer. Some of these exchanges have daily and weekly limits, um, and that's 
that's not very nice that they do it. They do it. They kind of try to make it a pain in the ass because they don't really want you to take it off the exchange because you're more likely to um, trade it. You know, if it's if it's on the exchange. But anyway, I I got all my all my uh, Cardano and all my Ethereum. I got off and I've got it on a hardware wallet and Bitcoin. I'm transferring as I can. And the thing that surprised me was super easy. Like I have transferred crypto between exchanges and compared to trying to do that to transferring it to my hardware wallet, night and day, so much simpler. The other one thing, if you guys go get a wallet, which I'm going to because I don't have one either, but you got to remember your password because if you lose the password, you're screwed. You'll yeah. never be able to get in that wallet again. So write it down, put it in. You mean, obviously, you don't want some stranger to get a hold of it. You don't want anybody to get a hold of it that you don't want access to your wallet, but you need to make sure that you have that written down, memorized, put it in your safe, give it to your kids if you if you trust your kids. Like, I told Dad, you know, what if Dad ever got dementia and he didn't know his freaking, your, hard, your password, give us a copy and we'll put it away somewhere safe so we know. Because we're not here to sounds screw like you. a ploy. Yeah, <laughs> we're not here to screw you over. I mean, if you could trust your kids, do that. But I'm just saying, like, it's really yeah. important. Do not lose that this password. Is, this is how much faith my two sons have in me. So I was all excited. I get it, and I'm getting it all set up. And so you you have a 12 word key phrase. So when they say "not your keys, not your crypto," the keys is this is this set of words. There's 12 words and you don't only need to know the words, you need to know them in the order because if you are ever locked out of it or you don't use it for a while, it's going to ask you for um, like a key phrase. So there's one or a, or a, a passcode, a number. It, it'll ask you for a, a passcode. And I think you can set that up as many digits as you want. I think you can have up to like 16 digits if you want. But anyway, they'll ask you for that. And then they will it will challenge you. It will ask you what your number four seed word is. So if you don't know that, it's not just that you know what those 12 words are. You have to know what they are and what number the word is because it's going to ask you for, it may not ask you for the whole seed phrase, but it may ask you for one or two of them and you got to know what they are in order. So that's why they say, not my keys, not my crypto. And what's the number? Like, there's an incredible amount of Bitcoin that is just lost to the world because back in the day, people started these and then they they lost the they lost the keys. They can't remember whatever it is. They can't get it. It's just it's gone. Um, but anyway, so I get it and I'm setting it all up and I'm all excited. And I take a picture of the of the wallet and I send a picture to my boys and almost in unison, within five seconds of each other, they both replied to me. And they're like, you better write that. You better write that down. Yeah. And then the other one, in multiple places. Yeah. And I'm like, geez, I'm not a moron. And then I got to think, well, they must think I am a moron. Well, and- no, we just know that you were pro- you get giddy and excited, and you might have just been like, <laughs> and then forget to write it down, and then you're screwed. I have it. I have it down. Yeah, you got to have, it, have down it down because that's like, that would be terrible. But it it does, it feels good. It feels really good to have that. Now, granted, I don't have all my Bitcoin off the exchange, but it feels really good to have that. Security. Yep, to have it and to know that I've got it. Yeah, I need to, I'm going to get one for sure. So say it one more time. What's it called? So the one I have is a Trezor. T. It, 
T-R-E-Z-O-R. Uh, and it's a Model T. I think they make a Model 1 and a Model T. And then Nano, um, they have a couple different ones. And and it really doesn't make... I don't think it makes a lot of difference. I think the differences between the models depend on how many... Some of these... You know, there's people out there that trade multiple of these... I call them shit coins. All of these crazy cryptos. And some of these models accommodate thousands of different ones and then some of them only do what we call them what people call the majors you know bitcoin ethereum uh ada doge stuff litecoin stuff like that so um and there's other companies that have them too but those are the those are the premier and the one thing i'll say is don't buy one off amazon so either one of these whatever hardware wallet you get go to the source go to the website of the purse of the company that you're actually dealing with and when they come all of them come with a with a foil seal over where you plug the usc or the micro usb cord into them because you hook them to your computer and they're sealed from the factory and they're printed with like a uh it's like that it looks like that little deal on your credit card that foil whatever that is, and there's either a logo on there or a, or a number on there, and if it doesn't have that, it's somebody has taken it and they've put uh, malware on it to where if you load it, they'll take it. They'll, t- they'll take it. So, I mean, you got to be careful. You got to be responsible for your own, own security. So, I mean, that's a little bit scary, but... Anyway, you made sure it had the same. mine all checked out, and so yeah, buy directly from the source. That's yep. that's the best thing to do. So I think that's gonna wrap it up, guys. We went we went really we went kind of far. Where we where are we at? We're only an hour and a half. We're doing oh, good. Oh, well, good. No, well, I mean, do you want to keep going? Well, the only thing I'm gonna say is, um, I think we'll I, we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, but thank you to all of you for sticking with us and you know this thing has grown a lot and we've had some really good guests on the last few weeks and we've got some really good guests lined up um and just share us out and we got a lot of great stuff planned this summer so so the Amish are coming back so the Amish that built Sawyer's hog building are coming back here in a few weeks and we're going to re-roof this barn we're putting a new roof on it and they're going to insulate underneath the tin so that we can put heating and cooling in it. And I got my electrician lined up, and we're going to wire this thing. And the goal for this year, the big, the biggest project at This Will Do Farm this summer is to make this barn um, year-round worthy. So when we get to fall, um, those, those uh, episodes in the garage, if you haven't seen them, go back and watch them because those are treasures because you'll never see that again. That's right. That is right. We're hoping that we'll never have to go back in that garage again. So it's, I think it's kind of cool because it's like yeah. the progression of the show. Yeah. It's the progression of the show. And you, you know, you didn't, if you missed out on that opportunity to see it, you'll never see it again. Yeah. We're hoping. And, you know, we say every, every week that, you know, the price of admission is sharing the show. And at some point, we are gonna we are gonna get some sponsors. Um, we've been working on some sponsorship, and we've got some we've got some stuff that is coming coming through. But just know this, um, and nothing against any any of the companies, and I'm not gonna reference any names. But you know we get we get DMs all the time 
every week we get a DM from somebody that's selling or something an or an email or both that's selling something. And if we don't like it, if we don't think it's going to bring value to guys, if we don't think it's going to help anyone on the show, if, if we don't like it, if we're not going to use it, we're not going to, we're not going to yeah. partner with those people. I mean, that's the thing. We, we're not interested in just, just peddling, you know, coasters and and sunglasses and ball caps and you know whatever it is you know lawn lawn fertilizer that's not that's not our deal um yeah we, the people that we're looking to partner with are people that make stuff that we already use or something we'd be interested in using so if we bring that to you and say hey these guys are sponsoring it it's somebody that that we believe in. The other thing I want to say is we're never going to let a brand tell us what we can and cannot talk about. Yeah. I'm not interested in letting anyone take what we have to say and limit it in any way. So yeah, I'm not interested in partnering with anyone that's trying to restrict us. It's just not going to happen. So it might be a deal where Sawyer does all the talking because I'll take the money. It yeah. just won't say anything. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just not <laughs> in it for that. I'm in it for the long term. You guys matter to us. What you guys talk about when you comment on the show and let us know what you want to hear, your thoughts, what you guys, what you guys matter the most out of everything. Yeah. What you guys think, what you guys want, you matter. And I don't want to bore you with a bunch of ads and I don't want to give you products that we don't even like that you won't find any value in and i'm not going to let anyone censor us we're going to be who we are and that's who we are and if you like it you can send us an offer but if you don't then i wouldn't send us an offer because we're not we're not here to appease to you we're here to appease to our audience and we think you get we think you guys like what we're about so we're going to keep doing what we do best and um yeah so we're going to get this barn in shape and we're going to get this thing foolproof all year round hopefully and we'll just continue to keep doing these episodes in the bar. And it's great to be back. I love the American flag. Hell yeah, baby. And we will wrap it up. So if you guys got any value, share it, pay the fee. We'll see you here. We'll see you guys back here next Friday for another great episode. <laughs> <laughs>